Good morning, church family. I'm fired up to be here this morning. Are you guys excited? What an awesome opportunity to preach God's word this morning. I believe God has a very special message for us this morning. And for me, I feel blessed because I'm going to be preaching on two things I'm very passionate about. Christ and hospitality. And before being in ministry, I was in hotel and management for over 10 years. <laughs> Must be a hotel guy in the back. Worked at the Ritz-Carlton, the Marriott, the Omni. Uh, worked in different departments. Um, housekeeping, front desk, concierge, valet, bell. I was even a uh, sushi chef at one point. But I always felt like there was one key department that never got really recognized. Can you guess what department that was? Housekeeping. Who said that? All right, I don't have a prize, but yes, housekeeping. (laughs) Housekeeping. I mean, without housekeepers, there's no way you can operate a hotel. You can have the best front desk agents at the front desk, but without clean rooms, you can't check anybody in. Right? Or the service could be on par, five star, five diamond level service, but if you check into a dirty room, that tarnishes your stay. And also, I believe in the church today, there's an essential that we've been neglecting, and that's hospitality. Right? Of course, we focus on things that we need to focus on faithful preaching, amen? Prayer, worship. Fellowship, but how about house, uh, hospitality? How about hospitality? And some of you might be thinking, well, I don't have that spiritual gift. But today you're going to find out it's a command for all believers. So if you can rise this morning as I read from our passage from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. And just a heads up, I'm going to be focusing mainly on 9 today, but I want to read 7 through 11 for us to get a better context of verse 9. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength with God supplies So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you so much 
For your church, your evergreen Lord, I pray that you'll bless our time together as a church family. May we embrace your message on the gospel and the importance of hospitality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may take a seat. And to give you better context to this passage, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. The very first verse in this chapter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. So to give you more context right now, the early church is being persecuted and they're being scattered in five different regions of Rome, mainly in Asia Minor, current-day Turkey. And as you notice, Peter refers them to aliens. Some of you, with the ESV, it would state elect exiles. Because they're believers. They were set apart from the world. They were standing out. They're being persecuted. And they're fleeing. And also, maybe this morning you might be thinking, well, how does this pertain to me? Right? We're, we're not experiencing persecution as much as maybe the early church 2,000 years ago. Well, I believe the enemy, the devil, is clever. In some parts of the world, he's using extreme persecution to do that, to scatter the church. He wants the church to be fragmented. But in our country today, I believe that he's using, like, busyness, right? He's using technology. He, he's using race. And he's even using COVID to fragment and isolate believers. I was reading this um, article, and it was very eye-opening. UCLA conducted a, a study before COVID in 2019. They called it the loneliness epidemic. And they stated that three out of five Americans state that they are lonely. Three out of five and one in five millennials state that they don't have a single friend. Can you believe that? All those friends listed on Facebook, you have not even one friend. And only 26% of Americans say that they know most of their neighbors. 26%. Our society is promoting an isolated life. And for the church, it's not getting better. In 2000, 45% of Americans claim to be practicing Christians, which means they attend church only once a month. And that number dropped in 2020, before COVID, to 25%. And in 2019, 4,500 churches closed. So the enemy wants to devour us in isolation. And in 1 Peter, the same book, chapter 5, verse 8, Peter tells us, be sober-minded, be watchful. 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And on top of us being scattered, it's harder to be a Christian every single day. Right? We're being ridiculed. We're being ignored and dismissed. We're getting pushed back from society, perhaps in our workplace, our family and friends, while the country is embracing and promoting sin. This is a huge problem for us, and it's getting worse. So this morning, the Bible will remind us that hospitality is an essential that will keep the church together. We need to practice hospitality. So turn back with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. We'll get started with our passage. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Peter starts off this passage with a sense of urgency. He's reminding us that Jesus can come back any time. Peter is telling us that Jesus has done everything that he needed before his second coming. He came into the world. He completed his ministry. He died for our sins on the cross. He was resurrected and he ascended to heaven. And also, I was reminded recently, almost a year ago to this day, that tomorrow is not guaranteed. We might not even see the second coming of Christ. Our son Jordan was diagnosed with cancer last year, and he was only 11 years old. But it reminded me how we never know how fragile life is. So Peter's reminding us to have a sense of urgency because the end is near. Therefore, we must be ready and pursue holiness Sound judgment and sober spirit means to be under control with our emotions and passions. This can only happen when we are focused on spiritual priorities and righteous living. Peter is telling us that prayer are effective when we have a sound mind and sober spirit. Because we'll be praying according to God's will. Let's move along to verse 8. He tells us, above all, Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Peter says above all because he's putting love as a high importance. And he doesn't just say love, right? What does he say? Fervent. Fervent. And in the Greek, fervent means to strain after something. Picture an Olympian crossing a finish line. And the ancient Greeks would use this word to describe a horse running at full speed. Essentially, the word means to giving 100% to something. So Peter is telling us that we must put maximum effort in loving one another, fellow believers. Because love should be the motivation of all things, especially hospitality. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 The Bible tells us, if I speak with the tongues of mankind and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a what? A noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. 
The Bible is telling us without love, it means nothing to the Lord. Also, Peter shares how love can cover a multitude of sins. It's hard to stay mad at someone that continues to love on you, right? Wayne Grudem writes, Where love abounds in a fellowship of Christians, many small offenses, even some large ones, are readily overlooked and forgotten. But where love is lacking, every word is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding, and conflicts abound to Satan's perverse delight. And now we come to our main verse, verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. And from this verse, I have three points that I want to highlight. The first one, the first point, the command of biblical hospitality. Be hospitable. The second point, the recipients of biblical hospitality to one another. Third point, the heart of biblical hospitality without complaint. And we're going to have a fourth point later on, the applications of biblical hospitality. So the first point, the command of biblical hospitality, be hospitable. So what does hospitality exactly mean to you? Is it a hotel, as I mentioned earlier, a restaurant, throwing a Super Bowl party? What is it? When you break down the word in Greek, It literally means loving on strangers or guests. Loving on strangers or guests. And what what blows my mind here as I was reading this passage is the Christians are being persecuted. They're scattering. And what does Peter tell them? Find a weapon and defend yourselves? Find a good hiding spot? techniques on how to get along with the world better? No, he said the secret sauce, the secret weapon is hospitality. Because Peter knew hospitality was an essential that will keep the church united during this time. If the church didn't have hospitality, think about it. We would not be here. We would not be here. Did Jesus own a house when he was living on earth? No, he tells us in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, the foxes have holes and the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus and the disciples received hospitality during their ministry. They received hospitality from people such as Martha and Mary that we often read about. And after Jesus ascended to heaven, The disciples and the early church relied on hospitality as well. The early church lacked buildings. We're so blessed to have this nice sanctuary. The early church didn't have anything like this. They depended on traveling preachers that would travel town to town teaching God's word. These preachers were dependent on people of God for their well-being. They provided these missionaries with resources, food, Emotional and spiritual support. Also for the persecuted Christians, it was an essential for them to receive hospitality as they were fleeing and being scattered. As the centuries progressed, the church became more and more established. 
with buildings and resources, and its pilgrim status was forgotten. Along with it, the practice of hospitality. And hospitality is mentioned multiple times in the Bible. Please turn with me to Romans 12, 13. And you can mark it because later on we're going to go back to it as well. The Apostle Paul writes, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. In this verse, I want to highlight the word practicing. Practice in the Greek means to pursue, to go after a goal, like a hunter hunting. It is for us to be proactive with hospitality, not reactive. Not just sitting around hoping that I can love on a stranger. But we're supposed to look for opportunities to be hospitable. And a great example of this, I get fired up every time she's serving on the welcome team, team, is Karen Chia. She's a machine out there. She serves with great joy. She hunts down visitors and escorts them to the welcome desk. I think she has a record. Like she, she brought in seven visitors to the welcome desk one Sunday. So welcome team, that's a challenge. It's a record. I think it's seven visitors to the welcome desk. That's practicing hospitality, right? Looking for opportunities. Be hungry for opportunities to love on strangers. Hebrews 13.2. Turn to Hebrews 13.2. Also mark it as well. We're going to go back to that chapter later on. It says, Do not neglect hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Hebrews tells us directly not to neglect hospitality. It's a command. How can you neglect something that, that is not a command? If it's optional, you're not neglecting it, right? But the writer specifically writes, do not neglect. However, the Bible is telling us that hospitality can easily be neglected if you're not careful. The more we neglect hospitality, the more self-centered we become. I love what John Piper wrote about this verse. He writes, The physical force of gravity pulls everything to the center of the earth. In order to break free from earth-centered life, thousands and thousands of pounds of energy have to push the space shuttle away from the center there is also a psychological force of gravity that constantly pulls our thoughts and affection and physical actions inwards towards the center of your own selves and our own homes. Therefore, the most natural thing in the world is to neglect hospitality. It is the path of least resistance. All we have to do is yield to the natural gravity of our self-centered life and the result will be a life so full of self that there is no room for hospitality. We will forget about it, and we will neglect it. So the Bible bluntly says, Stop that! Build a launching pad! Fill up your boosters! And blast out your self-oriented routine! Stop neglecting hospitality! 
Practice hospitality. Also, Hebrews telling us is telling us that every act of hospitality is important. Perhaps we might be serving angels. That's pretty cool, right? As Abraham did in Genesis 18. But you know what resonated in my heart as I was praying about this? Brother Jeff read through Matthew 25. It's even better. Every time that we faithfully practice hospitality, we're serving the Lord. Amen? Better than angels. Better than angels. I could picture one day. I have a crazy imagination sometimes. The Lord talking to Karen Chia. I thought about this really when I was prepping for this message. So Karen, thank you so much for greeting me when I was a stranger. And you're going to say, when, when, Lord? And she's, he's going to say, in the lobby of Evergreen. Right? So thank you for your faithfulness in serving the Lord. And hospitality is not a legalistic or work-based command. Hospitality is driven by love. So let's, let's go back to Romans 12. Twelve nine. Love must be free of hypocrisy. Detest what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. We see that word again. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Hospitality is in the context of love. That motivates us to be hospitable because we love Christ and we love his people. Also in the same chapter, I want you to move up to verse number 2. Romans 12, 2 tells us that love is a fruit of a transformed mind and a transformed life. Verse 2 is an imperative for verses 9 through 13. Verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul is telling us that a transformed life will bear the fruit of hospitality. Hospitality is a sign that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an indication that you belong to Christ. And I know that none of us are perfect in hospitality. But if you don't have any ounce of hospitality in your heart, I strongly encourage you to examine your heart. Hebrews, go back to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Let love of the brothers and sisters continue. Do not neglect hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without 
knowing it. Once again, the context is in love. Love motivates hospitality. And let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep fervent, talked about that already, in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. And that's the awesome thing. When you, when you seek the word of God, I see a pattern. Love first, then hospitality. On the three main verses or passages in the Bible regarding hospitality. That's a common theme. We're not being legalistic. But if you truly love Christ and his people, you are going to be hospitable. And also turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. By the way, I love hearing the pages turn. That's awesome. You're getting a good workout here. Going to different passages 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 to 3. Talks about the requirement of being an overseer. Elders. This is an important passage on eldership. And many times we think about eldership. Yes, this person needs to be able to teach the word of God. He can't be a drunk. He must be faithful to his wife. But how about Hospitality. Did you know it's in this passage as well? An overseer then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable. There you go. Hospitable. Hospitable. That's a mandatory requirement to become an elder at a church. Able to teach. Not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. Let's go to Titus 1, chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Two books next to 1 Timothy. 1 For the overseer must be beyond reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not overindulging in wine, not a bully, not greedy for money. Once again, verse 8. But hospitable, hospitable, Loving what is good, self-control, righteous, holy discipline, holding firmly the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able to both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict it. So it's clear in Scripture, in order for you to be an elder and overseer of the church, you must be hospitable. No questions asked. That is one of the requirements. And while I was studying these passages, this really resonated in my heart. Men, we're called to be the spiritual leaders of our household. Amen? Amen? We're called to oversee our homes. Amen? It is our responsibility to be hospitable. We can't pawn it off to our spouses saying, well, she's an introvert. She doesn't like having people over. Or this is going to add more work to her. She needs to clean and cook more. Well, this might be a foreign thought for some of us. How about we help them cook and clean and invite people to our homes so that we can be hospitable? 
And I think this is important because we need to teach our kids, right? Peter is saying the key for our church to stay together is being hospitable. So we need to preach to our kids every day about hospitality, right? And we got to model it, not just say it, but live it out. Live it out. And point number two, the recipients of biblical hospitality to one another. Once again, 1 Peter 4.9 tells us, Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Who is this one another? This might shock some of you guys, but in this context, Peter is referring to fellow believers, right? And some of you might be asking, Whoa, how about the non-believers? Can we help them? Of course we can. It's a great thing. Jesus taught about that. The parable of the Good Samaritan, right? But what Peter's telling us is the priority is for us to take care of one another. One another. That's the priority. Turn to Galatians 6.10. So then, while we have opportunity, let's Do good to all people. There you go. And especially to those who are the household of the faith. Again, Peter knew that if we didn't take care of one another, fellow believers, during this time, we would not be able to care for others. The church would have resolved if we gave our resources and our time to others outside of the church when he was drafting up this letter. And it reminds me of the time when I was working for the Ritz-Carlton. They're known for phenomenal service. And they have a model, a a very famous, not model like supermodel, but model, M-O-T-T-O. We are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And their whole concept is, let's take care of our employees first. Let's make sure they're okay then our employees will take care of the guest. And that's their secret to their success of service. That's why when you go to a Ritz-Carlton, they're happy because they're watching each other's backs. The staffs are helping each other out. And they're able to serve the guests with joy. And they're proud that they're part of the Ritz-Carlton. And the church 2,000 years ago, faithfully cared for the Christian pilgrims that were traveling around Rome. And Evergreen, do you know that we have pilgrims? Do you know that? Every Sunday, we've been averaging five to ten visitors looking for a church home. And ever since COVID, whatever the reason may be, They're looking for a church home. They're pilgrims. They're fellow believers. And most of them are fellow believers that have been visiting our church. So it's an awesome opportunity for us to live out and practice hospitality. And I'm sorry if you're a guest today. You might be wearing a lei. But this is kind of like top secret, but the secret is going to be out. I felt like it was appropriate to share with the church body. Yes, when you get a lay, we want to bless you. We absolutely want to bless you. But it's a cue 
that this person is visiting, right? So there's no more excuses of a a visitor not being greeted because we all know now, I'm not going to mention this again, but we all know now, once again, sorry visitors if you feel awkward, but it's our cue that this person is visiting our church for the very first time. And Evergreen, you guys have been doing a good job on hospitality. Personally speaking, thank you. Ten months ago, the Lord called us here to Evergreen. And it was a tough time. My son, uh, Jordan, he's waving to me. He was battling cancer at that moment. But we knew that the Lord was calling us here. And to be honest with you, He didn't want to come, which is understandable. He didn't want to leave his friends and family at Mission Valley. And this is the Lord's providence. Before the summer, we tried to sign up for a summer school through Alhambra Unified. But they're completely booked. So we went to St. Gabriel Christian. And we, we were ecstatic to see Janet Chan out there screening all the kids. Matt Chan and Micah. And Matt has done a phenomenal job in practicing hospitality with Jordan. He's been connecting with Jordan, and, and he actually encouraged Jordan to attend the Surge Middle School program Friday nights. And I remember, I don't know if Micah, I mean, not Micah, Matt remembers, but I dropped off Jordan, and I was just watching him. And, of course, he was kind of, like, nervous because it's his first time going to Surge in person. But Matt was there waiting for him in the parking lot. And he escorted Jordan into the classroom. And that's been a game changer. And ever since then, Jordan can't wait to go to Surge every Friday night. That's the power of hospitality. So thank you, Matt. And for me and Amy being uh, being parents, that's a great blessing. Of course you want your kids to be happy and to fit in. So that's a great example of hospitality. And we also have the Moors that have been joining us, Dan and Ayako Moore, for the past six months. And then we have the Sagados that have been embracing them into their life group, their branch. You have the Chows inviting them to a luncheon. And now the Moors feel like they're part of a family. This is only six months. And it was beautiful. Last uh, Fellowship Sunday, I was walking around And they're having lunch together as a branch. And it looks so natural and incredible. You know, I felt like crying. You know, it's like this is this is what hospitality is all about. So these stories are examples of us being hospitable to one another. Hospitality is helping others to find a church home at Evergreen. But also, I want to remind you about the Great Commission. God is not calling us to just stay in our holy huddle, right? Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And a great vessel for evangelism is hospitality. We learn that directly from Jesus. What did he do? He ate with sinners and tax collectors, right? Mark chapter 2. 
He spent time with a Samaritan woman in John 4, and all the disciples were surprised. He entered Zacchaeus' house and dines with him in Luke chapter 19. Again and again, Jesus used hospitality to build relationships with non-believers to draw them closer to him. So hospitality is an incredible opportunity to evangelize, perhaps with your coworkers, your unbelieving friends, family members, perhaps even your neighbors. It's stated that only 26% of Americans know their neighbors. Maybe it's time to get to know your neighbors so you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And the third point is the heart of biblical hospitality without complaint. Once again, verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. And Peter knows that hospitality can be difficult and can be a challenge. I believe that's why he specifically mentions without complaint or some translation says grumbling. It's tough having people over. I'm going to be real with you guys. It's tough. I know uh, many of you guys work full-time. You're tired. You're exhausted. And Peter knows that hospitality is costly. Financially, of course, if you buy pizza or some beverages. And hospitality is time-consuming because people are messy. Relationships take time. Inviting a person into your home opens up the possibility for them to tell you about their life. And if they tell you about their life, guess what? They'll probably tell you about their problems. And then you'll feel an obligation to help. So what's the solution? Let's cruise into our garage and close the garage door and not see anyone, right? No, that's not the solution. If you give your time to others, you're going to realize that time is not your own. You will need to give it away. That confronts the selfish heart, doesn't it? It confronts the selfish heart. Most people, I'm assuming here, would rather give money away than their time, right? It can be fatiguing. You might need to talk to somebody late at night and you have an early morning at work tomorrow. And you'll lose your privacy. You can't walk around with your PJs anymore, right? The guys have to wear their shirts during the summertime because you have guests over. People will know who you are. Not just seeing your Sunday lovely smile, but they'll see your grouchy Wednesday frown, right? <laughs> it's tough. But I'm reminded from the Old Testament what King David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24. So to give you some context, King David wanted to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And there's a man named Aruna that said he'll give land and oxen for King David to offer to the Lord. But this is what King David responded. No, but I will certainly buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offering to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought 
the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David said, it's not an offering to God if it doesn't cost me anything. And I would agree that is true in hospitality. It's costly. It's not hospitality if it doesn't cost you anything. It's not really a service to Christ and a product of a transformed life if there's no sacrifice. You have $100 and you give somebody $1, that's not a sacrifice. Hospitality is a call to love, but it is costly. So why should I care so much about hospitality? Because as believers, we have all received God's hospitality. The gospel. The gospel. Hospitality is a reflection of the gospel. At one point, we were all aliens. Strangers. And even enemies. That was destined to hell. We messed up God's house with sin and destruction. We were the worst of the worst house guests. We were dirty, messy, rude, inconsiderate, ungrateful, and we even offended the host. But by God's hospitable heart, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross. Jesus came down from heaven, humbled himself as a man, died on the cross so that you and I can be saved. He gave his life for us. He welcomed us into his family and opened the door into his kingdom. We didn't do anything, but it was all by God's grace, amen? So how can we not be hospitable knowing that God did this for us? That we just want to accept His grace and His mercy and His hospitality, but we don't want to extend that, extend that out to anybody else? That's not right. How can we? We can't. If you truly say that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, how can you just accept that gift and not share it with others when clearly the Bible tells us that it is a command. It's not just a nice thing to do, but it is essential in our churches today. Biblical hospitality reveals the heart of God to the world. Turn with me to John 13, 34. This passage will fire you up. These are words from Jesus directly. I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another Verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples by the way that we love one another. If you have love for one another, 
These are direct words from Christ. When you see a familiar face and you don't know that person's name and you call him brother or sister, I guess you might be being spiritual, but I think you probably don't know that person's name. That's why you're calling them brother or sister. But God is calling us to find out their name. Right? The welcome team, they've been using this line. How long have you been attending Evergreen? And I get it, right? If you ask somebody, are you new? It's like, no, I've been here for 10 years. I've been here since Rio Hondo days, you know? So the safest way, instead of avoiding that, that awkwardness, is just asking them, how long have you been attending Evergreen? And if that person's new, great. Let's embrace them, take them to the welcome desk. If not, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Mako. And that could be a start of a relationship. That's loving one another. When you avoid somebody, that's not loving one another. And Jesus tells us that the world will know that we are his disciples by what? By the way that we love one another. And fourth and final point, the applications of biblical hospitality. And I just have four points within this point. The first one is, I encourage you to invite people to church. People need to hear the gospel. But also, as I mentioned, after COVID, for some reason, people are looking for a new church home. But also, I believe, if you invite somebody to our church, you're going to see how important it is being hospitable. Imagine you invite your friend over to church, and not one person says hello to them. How would that make you feel? I encourage you to invite a friend or family member or even perhaps your neighbor to church. Second point I mentioned earlier, greet people that you do not know at Evergreen. Greet people that you do not know at Evergreen. And some of you might be saying this morning, well, I have this desire, but I'm shy and I don't really know what to say to people. I would love to have you on the welcome team. We'll train you up to be more hospitable. Actually, we need more people as well, too. So if you want to get better in hospitality, I promise you, I'll personally train you, right? We could have weeknight sessions through Zoom or in person, and you'll get better in hospitality. So there's no excuse of saying, I don't know what to do, or I feel uncomfortable. And also another point is, It's not just the job of the welcome team to greet everybody. All of us are greeters. Every single one of you are greeters. Once again, I want you to have that mindset here at Evergreen. Third point is, have lunch with a new person on Fellowship Sunday. I'm not asking you to leave your friends, because I know you're excited to see them and Maybe that's your only time having lunch with them, right? How about seeing a new person and asking them to join your group for the next Fellowship Sunday, right? You see somebody walking around with a lay or somebody eating alone. Why don't you ask them, can you please join us? We'll love to have lunch with you, right? And also, just to let you know, the welcome team, every Fellowship Sunday, we give out 10 tickets to visitors as well. 
right? So if they receive a ticket, there's a good chance they have nobody to eat with. So once again, next Fellowship Sunday, I'm going to challenge you to please invite somebody into your group. And this is maybe the last time I'm going to tell you, but someone with a lay is a good sign that this person is visiting our church. And the last point is pray about inviting people to your home. I know this could be very, very challenging. I want you to pray about it. And if you're married, I want you to pray with your spouse about it. Maybe a person or a family member that you've never invited to your house before. But also, Pastor Kenny has an awesome opportunity for all of us. He's looking for a new uh, host for life groups, to have life groups being hosted in your own home. So pray about that. And if you feel like the Lord is leading you in that direction, please contact Pastor Kenny directly, kwada at evergreensgb.org. So once again, brothers and sisters, God is calling us to be hospitable. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your love for us. Thank you for being a prime example of hospitality and the way that you lived your life here and the way that you came down from your throne in heaven to die for our sins. And we praise you knowing that you are our Lord and Savior, that three days later you were raised from the grave. And we can't wait to see you again, Lord. And Father, thank you so much for blessing our time together as a church family, learning more about hospitality, the importance of hospitality. May we continue to be a hospitable church here at Evergreen. May you continue to encourage us in this area, Lord. Also, Father God, I pray for anybody in our church family that's currently lonely, Lord, that's seeking a relationship with another believer, Lord. I pray that connections will be made, Lord, that you will continue to comfort them during this time, knowing that You love us dearly, that you are always with us. But I pray, Father, that all of us would have a a passion to be hospitable, Lord, knowing that it is a command and it is a fruit of a transformed life. And it is a sign to the world that we are your disciples. So, Father, once again, I thank you so much for the opportunity to preach your word this morning. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.